Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Now joined by someone who had to watch sixty minutes of Taysom Hill at quarterback not too long ago. Mike Fisher. Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm outstanding. Uh, happy holidays to you and your audience. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you have any uh, awesome holiday traditions around this time? What do you? What, what you know, what's the coolest it, thing? Everybody always asks me about. Oh, what about uh, you know holiday traditions with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and of course for 32 years my holiday tradition is to go to the Cowboy game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks and Thanksgiving, and uh, I've, I've got no complaints. My family uh, used to complain, but they uh, when they when the kids were little. But everybody understands now, and so um that's a it's it's a football tradition around here and uh and it's a great thing there you go there you go do you know what the record is on thanksgiving since you've been there are you a good luck charm or a bad luck charm my good luck charm history is more about super bowls when i my first team that i covered was uh was the denver broncos i worked mm-hmm. in Greeley, colorado and my first two years on their beat they went to two super bowls then i moved to san francisco they went to super bowls two super bowls and then i came here to dallas and they won their three. And so literally over the course of whatever, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight years, I won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or went to, went to that many Super Bowls or whatever. So yeah, I did start thinking that, uh, that it was, uh, that I was a good luck charm that somebody, you know, the, the Bengals or the, or, or the Broncos or somebody ought to hire me to come hang around them. But uh, that that that's my good luck charm thing, and and what a ride that was. Obviously, especially in Dallas, wouldn't it be fun for Cowboy fans if it could happen again? So what you're saying is it's time for you to transition to the Atlanta Falcons beat. I would appreciate that, there, Mike. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking at my 1998 NFC Champion uh, banner at the moment. It's been a rough few weeks. I mean, you you got to watch the the Cowboys and the and the Falcons, and you were were you in the building for last year's debacle? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I was indeed where we did not understand and, uh, how onside kicks worked and everything. Yeah, that was that was uh, troubling. And of course, mm-hmm. Dan Quinn now is yeah. a, is is a hero. Mm-hmm. The way he, uh, in Dallas, the way he was a hero in Atlanta for for a while. And you know, it's it's a funny thing about coaches and the judgments of them. I, I really have this belief, and uh, too few people believe me or agree with me. But the, the only way to judge whether a coach is any good is his record. Uh, because there's no, there's nobody who's a particular dummy, uh, who's an, who's an NFL head coach or a coordinator or whatever. Um, they communicate different, uh, in some ways, but there's only certain way, certain amount of ways to communicate. They all have playbooks that are quite similar. There's only, there's nothing new under the sun with what you run. So sometimes you're kind of just catching lightning in a bottle. Um, they did this here with Mike Nolan is a perfectly fine defensive coordinator, but it was a disaster for Dallas a year ago. Dan Quinn got fired in Atlanta because they thought that he was out of gas. And now, uh, he's considered very dynamic here in Dallas. So it's all about results. Do the players love him? They really do. And, uh, they, they find him. Troy Aikman said something when they first hired him and I was talking to Aikman and he said, he's a unique blend of a guy because he's a, He's a hard-nosed, hard-assed, old-school guy, but he's also uh, a lovable rally-around guy. And, and that's happened here without any doubt in Dallas. Stephen Jones, the Cowboys COO, told me when they first hired him, and he got to know him a little bit, he said, he's going to help us recruit. 
Hmm. Players want to play for Dan Quinn. Now we'll see how that manifests itself. And maybe the KZ signing and the uh, Ken O'Neill signing are, are part of that. But I think uh, Stephen probably has even bigger, bigger visions of what can happen there. And you don't see that very often. And so if Dan Quinn is a magnet for talent, that'd be great for Dallas too. Well, with what happened in the Saints game, how did Dallas, in your estimation, rate the ship following the, the Raiders' craziness? Well, I, I think part of it is their roster is better than, than most of the teams they play. And I don't get too caught up into, oh, they're all going to the Pro Bowl and they're all going to the Hall of Fame. I, um, I think Cowboy fans have had quite enough of that level of hype. But, um, you know, Cowboys in this division, the Cowboys roster is way better than Philadelphia's, way better than the Giants. And if everybody was healthy, it's better than Washington's too. Although Washington now gets two cracks to find out if that's true. So I think that's the, that's the easiest answer is, um, you know, the, the, the good teams are going are gonna to win 10 games. And, and Dallas, without any doubt, is a good team. And I think without any doubt is going to win 10 games. Yeah, it seems like that. They would almost just be a catastrophe if they don't get to 10 wins. But it is kind of wild that we had just penciled them in weeks ago that they were just going to clinch the NFC East by mid-October. And uh, now injuries and COVID and everything else have kind of derailed that. But speaking of that, is there anything that you and Cowboys fans should think that like, okay, this is what we've learned about this team since uh, the injuries and the COVID absences in the last few weeks and just the, the crazy, crazy slate that they've kind of gone through at the moment well we've learned one negative thing which mm. is um that the running game is a problem and zeke's knee is not right and on top of that the offensive line's not playing well uh we can blame and and it's weird but it's a collective thing I mean, even zach martin i think would tell you that he's not that, that this hasn't been a particularly great month for him and all he is is like maybe the best guard of his era in football uh and so that combination of of poor play and then Ezekiel Elliott being unable to completely be Zeke. I think those are contributing factors and, and those, those things combined get to be concerns. But I, I saw somebody the other day say, Oh, it was Ryan Clark on ESPN. It was Friday morning saying, you know, he doesn't believe in the Cowboys anymore. And he listed his reasons. And one of his reasons is, you know, their, their opter, opter, opportunistic defense has gone away. And I'm like, Ryan, it's just 12 hours ago, they had four interceptions, including a pick six. What are we talking about? So the, the hype of the Cowboys uh, is unmatched, but also the criticism of the Cowboys is unmatched and probably unwarranted in most cases, too. Yeah, I, um, I'm i not worried about that. And it's kind of funny just to see the, the complete flip on that on that side of the ball. Um, well, this leads me to another question is why could Micah Parsons win defensive player of the year? What has he done uh, to this point that would put him in that conversation? It's like, it's not as crazy as it might've uh, felt like before the year. Cause I mean, this dude is still a rookie. Yeah. You can do the numbers thing and, mm-hmm. and point out that 10 sacks over 12 games is, as a rookie is that's Charles Haley, Von Miller, uh, Reggie white territory. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that, that's just, you know, that, that happens. Uh, a dozen times over the course of 40 years. So the numbers that he's putting up are, are extraordinary in that way. But then there's the, Hey, you know, watch the game. He's just an extremely dynamic player. Um, he, he, and, and has certainly vaulted at this point into the conversation from just being defensive rookie of the year to being to getting some votes. 
Um, you'd have to go around, and I haven't. You know, all, all the other teams and all the other defensive players and all the other stats. And I, you know, I know Miles Garrett's doing good things in Cleveland, and obviously there's other guys, but uh, Micah Parsons deserves to be in that conversation. And then, as long as we're looking at numbers, you might as well put Trayvon Diggs in the conversation as well. And, and it leads me to what I keep saying about the Dallas defense. It's not a great defense, but it has a handful of great playmakers uh, that are a part of the defense. And Tank Lawrence now is back, and he's one of those. And maybe for Washington, Randy Gregory will be back. If you have Gregory, Tank, Micah, and Trayvon Diggs, you've got four high-level playmakers on your defense. Uh, that th- Those are building blocks there to, to going from being a bad defense last year to at least being a solid one now. So you, you seem pretty optimistic this is uh, sustainable, this, this current uh, structure with this defense and what Dan Quinn's got cooking. Uh, and and that's not saying that Trayvon Diggs is going to get 17 interceptions. That's that's ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the foundation of what they have here, and then you add Tank Lawrence last week. You add add Randy Gregory pretty soon. Neville Gallimore should be coming back as well. Uh, they, you know they don't stop the run very well uh, in some games. Neville Gallimore coming back at defensive tackle will help that. And Tank Lawrence is a do it all defensive end, so he can help that too. So. Um, Take Lawrence said the other day, we can be a top five defense. Now, I don't know what, what statistical measure you want to use to gauge that. I don't think of this team that way at all. But, if, but can you be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense and be good that way? I think you can. Can you be a top five offense, which this group was uh, seven weeks into the season? That's obviously faded a bit. Can you be a top five offense and be a top 15 defense? And make you that a contender, and I think the answer to that's yes too. So somewhere in there, the formula is is still set up for the Cowboys to win. They control their own destiny in the NFC East. Although, in fairness, as we just wrote on CowboysSI.com today, Washington also controls its own destiny. If Washington beats Dallas twice, uh, and and then the rest of the way, obviously, outplays Dallas or matches Dallas in the other games. Uh, one, two teams in the NFC East control their own destiny. But which team would you rather be? The one in the lead or the one in the rearview mirror? That answer is obvious. And also, I'd rather have the one with Dak Prescott, not Taylor Haneke. Like that would be uh, that would be my my preference personally. And and, I, and that's and that's taking nothing away from Haneke, who's who's. Uh, I don't know if he's developed into a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's certainly developed into a folk hero. <laughs> and, yeah. and they and they rally around him. Mm-hmm. Washington's problem. If it goes this way, I think their problem is going to be they're going to find that they have a quarterback who's just good enough to not be good enough. Mm-hmm. That you, you will you will see the temptation, I think, in that organization to say, you know, we don't need to draft a quarterback high. We can we can we can build with this guy. And and there's a danger in that because I think there's a ceiling on Heineke. Although to his credit, he keeps busting through what we all thought were his ceilings. Yeah. Well, so. How big is this game on Sunday against Washington? Like, is this something where the Cowboys are nervous? Are they, like, are Cowboys fans really actually sweating the Washington football team at this point? You get two games in three weeks with WFT, but um, does this matchup at all concern you and fans? I think you have to respect um, what they've done over the course of the last year and a half under Ron Rivera. The, the franchise itself is in disarray. Uh, they want a new stadium. They just built a new stadium. It's a rickety new stadium. There's never been anything quite like that. 
they've, they've got the sexual harassment issues in the front office. Now Robert Griffin III is going to write a book um, suggesting more sexual harassment and not just stuff he's observed, uh, stuff that he says he's the victim of. Uh, you've got the John Gruden emails and on and on and on. You've got the lack of a nickname. You've got the racism charges. Just uh, you name it. And that franchise has put itself through it. And yet Ron Rivera perseveres. Uh, they start out poorly last year. He gets it turned around. They win the division. They start out poorly this year. And here they are. So I, I do think that Rivera, that the foundation of the Washington franchise, as long as you take it away from ownership and put it over in the coach's wing, is extremely solid, about as solid as there is in the league. So the Cowboys are number one in pro football focuses, offensive rating. Um, does that feel right to you when you watch this team that this has been the best, when they're all healthy, this has been the best offense in football this year? Well, here's the problem, and I say this with, with great respect to what they try to do. How do you have uh, all these different graders looking at all the games, all the teams, all the positions, all the players, and grade it evenly. The only way to do that would be to have one grader do it all. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not how it works. So, first of all, you're grading the Seattle-Washington game. How do you grade that the same? How do you know that you're grading it the same as you graded the Dallas-Atlanta game? How can you grade it the same when it's two different graders? And then you're trying to grade the left guard's performance and all you can do is pretend that you know what his job even was. So how do you grade that? So uh, I think, I think uh, PFF provides a good tool. I think it's, but I think it's more fun than it is science. And uh, be because there's no scientific way to do it, it's impossible. Uh, so I, you know, I, I treat it in that, in that light. And again, with respect towards it, but uh, it, it's not the Bible to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here, Mike. Um, when you're looking down the stretch here, this Cowboys season, you know, you, like we said, we got Washington twice in three weeks. Um, do you expect this team to ultimately take care of business, win the division, and then realistically contend? Is this still a team that at times this year has looked like they can, they have the offense at the very least when they're all clicking on all cylinders um, to make a, a deep run in the NFC playoffs. Is this still a team that can do that? Well, looking at the macro, if you get to the tournament, you have a chance. Mm -hmm. And and that's how every team should look at it. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be, if I, the word scared is a little strong, but t Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to play Tom. If I'm Dallas, I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers. I'm so sick of playing Aaron Rodgers and having him make one magical play that beats me. It's, it's nauseating, but, um, that doesn't mean Dallas can't beat Green Bay. I, they're, they're in this. All these teams, to me, are, are on the same level, with the exception of what Tom Brady does to Tampa. What, what he does there as a leader and a player is something special. So macro, get me in the tournament. Micro, Cowboys are favored by four and a half on the road this week. And if you uh, try to bet against odds makers very often and put real money on it, you will end up living in a cardboard box under a bridge. So if the odds makers say four and a half Dallas wins at Washington, that's good enough for me. I like it. I like it. Mike, what can we look out for you across SI.com this week? Uh, yeah, find us at CowboysSI.com. And uh, if you're a Mavericks fan, we're at DallasBasketball.com. And then if you look up uh, Falcons SI, Washington SI, Texans SI, 
we've got you covered in every possible area. And then we will be, I will travel uh, to Washington. So we'll be at the Cowboys at Washington game on Sunday too. You can find me on social media at Fish Sports, including on Twitter. I like it. I like it. I hope you're not uh, in in with the with the with the fans because those seats I've seen them. They're pretty tight, pretty tight. So I hope you're not there. Uh, the, pre- <laughs> the press, even the chairs in the press box. Now I'm not saying they're they're frugal there. Uh-huh. But the chairs in the press box are as big as a slice of bread. <laughs> so, you, you, so yeah so, so the whole thing's tight the whole thing's rickety uh but it should be a lot of fun there you go there you go well my eyes will be on it i'm sure a lot of america is with this game um mike keep up the great work thank you so much for making the time today i appreciate it my pleasure you keep up the great work as well young man. thank you sir nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah